on Twitter. And in this episode, we will discuss Star Wars The Force Awakens and our top 10 television programs of 2015. Star Wars The Force Awakens opened uh, this past week, and we have both seen it. I've seen um, it twice. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't realize until recently how big of a star wars geek you are i'm closeted i i I keep it inside i have lots of stuff there's a millennium there's an original millennium falcon sitting in my basement which you actually probably saw when you were visiting i I always thought you were a little too cool for star wars maybe that's the impression i was trying to give off by never talking about it right so this force awakens i didn't follow any of the pre-press for it i i didn't see the first trailer until august i i basically went in blind and (laughs) was surprised that it's basically episode four (laughs) the major yeah i mean I, I, i joked on twitter that because fox owns episode four and only episode four because fox put up the money for it and fox owns it in perpetuity that Disney decided to make its own version of it. And, and that's how I felt during the film. I mean, it's enjoyable. I, I laughed a bunch. But, you know, you know, the film opens and Oscar Isaac is, is putting a, a message in BB-8. The, the film actually opens with the, the silhouette of the, what do you call the, the triangular shape? The Star uh, Destroyer. The Star Destroyer. I think, so yeah, I think it might have been instead, Star instead of the Star Destroyer coming on the screen, you see the silhouette of it, and then Poe puts the message in the BB-8, and you know it, it's just following the beats of the first film. Mm-hmm. You know, once you're onto that, you realize that you know once it was revealed that Kylo Ren is Han Solo's son, you know, I, you basically know that Han Solo is going to die. Han Solo is going to be Obi Wan Kenobi in the film. The amount of screen time that Harrison Ford received. Just confirmed, just confirms your suspicions. Yeah, he had quite. He had a lot more screen time in the in the beginning of things than I ex- anticipated him having. But obviously, with the lack of other characters we were thinking might show up sooner than they did, he was the main. He's the main yeah, focus for a it, little it, while. It just felt familiar to me. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a bar scene, and and the, <laughs> there's the, a Death the pan, Star. The pan around the bar scene to make sure you see all the creatures yeah, playing the, their the, games there's, there's and a, drinking. There's a Death Star with another weak spot. The parallels are obvious. They're not, they're certainly not hidden at all. And I think each character, they're all, I mean, there's no direct, I mean, you could say Han Solo is Obi-Wan. You could say, you know, Poe has Han Solo characteristics, you know, being the Joker and things like that. But he also is a a supreme pilot. So he's got Anakin and Luke-ish vibes. Like everybody is a mixture of, they just kind of spread everybody's characteristics throughout all of the new characters. So it's all, it's all there. You just have to look for it in a different spot or different gender. And and, and people are, people are saying JJ Abrams set the table and now let's see 
what's going to happen. But I, you know, I, I see the how this film ends, and I think the next film is The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I, um, I'm really hoping that's not the case. I think I'm going to give this one a pass based on its similarities for, and you're right, like as setting setting a base, and now just fucking run with it. Go go nuts. You know, I think it needs to to expand from here immensely and dig there's there's a deepness you can dig into without alienating people who don't care about the little stuff in star wars that people like me care about okay some uh some thoughts some thoughts one podameron is a terrible name you don't like it i don't like it it kind of rolls off the tongue i kind of like it i feel like if your first name is poe the last name needs to be the surname needs to be two syllables not three like yeah poe marin just oh I, the four syllables is a little too much. I, I feel like you need a strong two-syllable surname if your first name is Poe. Okay. Well, what about Finn, then? Did that well, feel a little I forced mean, that, because we that, already knew the name beforehand? Well, he, he didn't have a name, right? Well, but, I, but we all knew it from, other, right, from right. other marketing things. We all knew his name beforehand. Well, you knew. I, I wasn't following Oh, you, you didn't follow anything, then. Wow. No. Okay. And so, okay, second thought. It's weird to open... To introduce a character as he's having a change of conscience with Finn. You know, you know what I felt about this film, Force Awakens, is that I dare say that this film should have been episode eight and an episode and he did an episode seven prequel to to set up character motivations, to build toward the the change of of conscience of Finn. I mean his was just you're just dropped into it. Because, I mean, the first time you see him, you can already tell something's up with him. But we have no idea who, what, why, or any of it. And they never even bother to, to dive in deeper other than yeah, or he's someone with a conscience. And we or, just have to like, accept it. Uh, Kylo Ren, some buildup there. or Well, the... that, that I feel like might get fleshed out a little more later on. As, yeah. as being a character who has obviously I not mean, perished will be involved in... Eight for it's, sure. It's, it's one thing to get dropped in to a story. The Latin term is in in medius race. I just felt like it was too abrupt. I I felt like this film could use some kind of bridge between episode six and seven. You wanted a little so, more four. Yeah, for like a six point five. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, yeah. And then my notes. <laughs> uh, can, um, can I mention Captain Phasma, the useless Boba Fett role? I mean, if we're if we're comparing okay, characters so, across so the board, that's... I, I was gonna I was gonna bring this up later. Okay. Why even cast Gwendolyn Christie in that role? Like uh, she I, was actually in that suit. Why bother? Why just not? Why not just have a stuntman in that? An ADR voice in, if you want. Yeah, her just voice. ADR voice in. Same with Lupita Nyong'o. Why did she do motion capture? Play the yeah. what? Maz Kanata. Well, and you could say the same for Adam uh, Driver. Didn't need to be. Well, at least he took his helmet off at some. Right, point. right. But I mean, like, I mean, you, Supreme Leader. You don't need to cast these high-profile actors to be completely not on screen, right? I'm, well, and same with Snoke. Do you really need Andy Serkis? Yeah, I mean, because he looked totally. He was just a projection the whole time. He was a hologram. Oh, Snoke is the one who's supposed to be. My first thought was, oh, it, it's that guy in the the Marvel films. Uh, Thanos. Thanos? Right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, back to Phasma. What a waste of a character. Well, and I'm here's the other thing is I got to round up and trust that she's going to get fleshed out in eight because she's not dead. Well, it, it was implied that they threw her in the trash chute. Which right? we know is a, a survivable 
right. thing. Okay, and so then I, have to I, she's alive. I read a tweet. It's crazy to me that Finn has a big fight with an anonymous stormtrooper. Why is that not Phasma? That would have made a lot more sense, especially debuting that stormtrooper weapon that can hold its own against a lightsaber, not just be completely uh, you know, yeah. just lopped yeah. in half. And then probably the biggest misuse of talent is they have the two leads from the raid, the Indonesian martial arts film, the two of the the pirates that board Hans. Oh, uh, uh, the whatever club, one of those. Yeah, guys, those yeah, guys. Yeah. Okay, I did. And I'm not familiar with them at you all. You have these two dudes who can actually fight, and they just get eaten by the monster instantly. And so I hope, like in, in Rogue One, you know, Don Yen is in that film, and he can fight too. I hope I hope they make better use of him. Them, but, I mean, they but could but having known that, yeah, having known teased. that, you could you could have had a really good nice hand-to-hand little combat yeah, or something. Yeah, and they're just, they're just used as red shirts. So hmm. I didn't feel that Finn's dialogue was it was natural. He sounded a bit like Jesse on Breaking Bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, bitch, that kind of dialogue. He, he was definitely on a different level, either written-wise or execution-wise on the dialogue than any other character in the movie. Where And I don't where would he get those character traits being raised as a stormtrooper? Like, I, I mean, you got to break. I could understand eventually if you get broken down throughout the arc of your character and you start to, you know, his personality starts to come through over the long run of a few movies. But him getting up in Cap- Captain Phasma's face, uh, it was kind of it was very cringy. It was a little eye rolly situation and there. And I thought and that I, was kind of stupid. I was thinking, like, if he's Jesse, then Han Solo is Walt and then Walter Jr. is <laughs> Kylo Flynn, right? Oh God! And then um, Ray. I don't like that name either. I, it's, it grew on me. I think. I, I, I was I was confused. I, I thought is it Raya? You know, uh. Uh, Asian Leia. <laughs> <laughs> How did she figure out the Force so so fast? You know, one minute she's just this hunter on on the, on the sand planet, and, yeah. and and the next minute she <laughs> she's using the force. Well, I mean, she clearly. I mean, they they did establish that she is aware of history in the in the galaxy. You know, she knows who Han Solo is. She Luke Luke Skywalker is her name. She she knows whether or not she knows it to be real. She's confirmed it a little bit. I don't know. I'm gonna be nice and maybe round into the fact that she is aware of the force through just hearing about things and she's just the type of person to maybe believe enough that figured it out it's a stretch though it's it's a justification for me so stormtroopers just wear like a black sweater and 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 khakis it's like under armor i think they wear some under armor under there like literally okay. like under armor brand under armor <laughs> It just looked like he was wearing a sweater when he took off his his suit. It certainly wasn't as cool as I would have thought was under there, but kind of like a tight black Under Armour shirt. Yeah. I saw the film in real IMAX. Yes, that's right. uh, J.J. Abrams shot when she first flies the Millennium Falcon on on the, the sand planet. That sequence was shot in IMAX. And well, more of the film should have been shot in IMAX because it was kind of cool seeing like they would do close ups of her, you know, in the cockpit flying the plane or Finn, you know, whatever you call that seat he's sitting in where he's shooting the shooting the gun. Oh, the rotating and, gunner. The yeah. Gun and seat. It, it was cool seeing how gigantic it was, this gigantic close up of them flying or shooting. And while, you know, on on that subject, I feel like. We can disparage, you know, say what you will about the prequels, but I think Lucas 
had a better grasp on how to do action. Really? None of the action in this film was very whelming to me. Huh. Um, you didn't like, was, so you didn't like the fight, the, the Millennium Falcon fight on Jakku didn't really move you, even in 70 millimeter. It still was. No, um, I think the best sequence was the, the anonymous stormtrooper fighting Finn. And I did, I did I, like and, that sequence. I like that one. Yeah. And then everything else was just, yeah, shrug to me. Huh. That's surprising. So, well, I mean, we're, but you did notice the 70 millimeter impressiveness. Oh, I mean, it's, definitely. Yes, okay. Yes. Because you've uh-huh. mentioned before you've seen other things in yes. IMAX and in true IMAX, um, and it wasn't nearly as enthralling as it was probably intended to be. Sometimes you notice it, sometimes you don't. Yeah. And this one you did. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous uh-huh. that you got to see it properly. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> It's also a lot of hours of waiting in the cold. So, yeah, and, and on that note, how how early did you end up there, and how long were you in line? I got there at, like, 3 a.m. And was that early and enough, or was that not for a, early? For a 9 a.m. showing. I may have gotten there early. No, it was 2.30 a.m. for a 9 a.m. showing. And was that early enough or too early? It's too early. Most people showed up at 7. <laughs> Seriously? Holy crap. But, you know, I got a good seat. I was dead center, nice. you know. Well, now you know, I guess. Yeah. Did you see it in 3D? I did not. I saw it in 2D on fairly small screens because all of our good screens were taken up by uh, the 3D showings of it. I um, the 3D was pretty good. Really, uh, you actually I don't normally it? enjoy 3D, but there's one shot in particular of the, the Star Destroyer, the Triangle mm-hmm. ships, and it's just coming straight at you. Everyone in the theater was reacting to it because it was very jarring. It looked it looked cool. <laughs> It was just like pointing right at you. Yeah. Huh. One thing I was I was glad because you'll notice when you go to stuff in 2D, and this was a post-convert 3D movie, so they they have to really intend their shots to be like, okay, this one's going to be 3D, and a lot of the time you can just tell when you're watching the 2D version of it, it's just outwardly. Oh yeah, because like. But they, I didn't. Should... I didn't. I didn't get that vibe from this. It seemed like everything seemed just fine either way. So the fact that it... there was cool 3D stuff that I didn't notice was like, oh, that's the shot. That's good. I like that good balance between not sacrificing a forceness of like 3D content in there when it doesn't need to be. That like they nice. showed the Batman versus Superman trailer before the film, and that did not look good in 3D. <laughs> guess that I didn't think about that, but I, I guess that is. A I don't know. I don't know that you 3D. need the depth of them just hanging no. out at a cocktail party. Space stuff looks cool, though. I think space lends yeah. itself to a 3D atmosphere, obviously better than fucking Batman and Superman fighting on in an alley. I didn't realize at first that did they basically did they convert a, an ice planet into a Death Star? No, they terraform the the planet that that entire planet is basically like the super super sized Death Star, whatever they're fucking calling it. So so they they terraform they, the out outside of it, or it either I don't know I don't know the specifics of it. They either did it purposely, or it's such a large planet that it grew its own atmosphere, and then it ended up just being weathered like similar you know similar uh, Hoth like planet. Well, and there's a big band down the middle where the gun's at that you can see the kind of the innards of the planet. I don't know. They had to make it look different. They couldn't make another Death Star, even though that's what it is. My friend Steven asks, why didn't they use clones? Oh, instead of just those unruly stormtroopers. Well, yeah. it was brought up, and Lieutenant Hux, I believe, is a General General Hux, didn't want Kylo questioning his uh, the abilities of his troopers, which was probably a good call on Kylo's part. He should have played some clones. It would have, the movie would have been over in 10 minutes. Donald Gleason's character was basically the dude in Spaceballs. 
who's like his is his analog in Spaceballs. Sure, it was just another waste of talent there. Yeah, he didn't and do then, much, he, but he did escape, and he's still alive. And then why did R two D two suddenly wake up? Did uh, they miss something? That I was a little confused about. I don't know what would have necessarily activated it because obviously he was in low power mode since Master Luke left. But there, he just all of a sudden just decided to wake up, convenient to the plot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There wasn't anything because it's not like there's a there's a sequence where like uh, Ray maybe activates some force. Aura, and then all of a sudden, like R two is like, "Hey, fuck! I recognize that," and then wakes yeah. up. There, there was no rhyme or reason for him just to randomly wake up, other than to conveniently throw him in the plot. And Stephen also thought that the film should have ended before, should have ended with Ray flying off to find Luke. That okay. Luke should not have been in the film. What and, do you think? And I had a conversation about this with some friends right after the movie, and. Obviously, there's a lot of people going into it thinking, okay, well, we haven't seen Luke in any of the, the previews, but he's in it. We know he's in it. When's he show up? Now the movie moves on. You don't see him. You finally do at the end. Our discussion was, was he was he overused or underused? And you're presenting not even showing him, peer, or well, it, it was, not even it was showing very him much in from the, the Marvel playbook of, of teasing the next sure. film. Sure. I think you couldn't I, have not shown him. I think the fact that they didn't make him talk was about as bold a move as they could have done. I, I feel like for fan service purposes, you had to yes, show him, you, but you had to. And I think the fact they didn't, you make didn't him have talk. to show him, but you know, with, considering all the fan service in, in this film, you show him. <laughs> and on that note, I really did think that panning aerial shot was kind of lame because it didn't fit with anything else in the movie, how anything else was shot, whatever. That's a, I'm being super nitpicky there. I'm, I'm glad they didn't make him talk, and I'm glad he didn't pull the saber out of her hand, you know, via the force. They just kind of left it. I'm all right with it. They had they had to do it the way they did that. What else? Oh, in the credits, it says BB-8 voice consultants Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz, John Ralphio. From Parks and Rec uh, for those And who Judah Freelander was in the bar scene. No way. That was one mm -hmm. I hadn't heard. Was, so was, he, was he a dressed up character then? Probably. Well, Daniel, or voice, right? Yeah. And the mystery stormtrooper that Daniel Craig was playing was the one when Ray was locked up and she yeah, he was he was the one who was manipulated. To, yeah. Again, though, like, how do you know, right? I think Lucas had it right when he just cast a bunch of randos to play R two D two and C three PO and Chewbacca. Who cares, right? I don't. know. I'd want to be in it if I could. I mean, look at Greg Gunberg or whatever. It pays to be friends with fucking J.J. Abrams. Yeah. You're not only an X-Wing pilot, undeservedly, if you ask me. You survive, too. He doesn't get fucking blown up. That kind and of so where we stand is I feel like Finn is the analog for Han Solo and Luke and Leia are Rey. Going forward, if we're following the beats of the first trilogy, you know, there's your group of people. You have Chewbacca, you have R you have a BB-8 or R2-D2, mm -hmm. and then you have Finn and his dialogue as the the Han Solo, and then well, Rey is an amalgam of Luke and Leia. And you have your Maz Kanata as your Yoda. It's a stretch. Not, well, not it's even. A, I, it's a stretch, I, but I mean, Luke it's just, is, Luke is going to be the Yoda clearly. Well, I'm just saying in okay in the looks department and. One last thing. Why is what you know? Why is why is Kylo Ren not running the show? Well, you know, why didn't Darth Vader run the show? 
in the for in episode four why are they always reporting to someone you're, you're big bad they do in star wars canon they do build up rank i mean there are people who like work their way up the system and i feel like maybe giving direct power to even though kylo is a non-sith he's a sith diet he's not really a full sith just think in the way that it's always run you know there's an army and there's those people who've worked their way to the ranks and for some reason they get precedent those are their those are like their off the book guys that you call in to go Go clean stuff up so i feel like maybe that's that's why they don't run the show anyhow i look forward to the um ghost han solo and and ghost luke skywalker in episode nine How popping p- up at the celebration do you think that uh harrison forge just already filmed his shit so he can just be done with it i know they haven't but you know he wants to just be fucking done like there were, I, I, there, think he's had a, I think he's had a change of heart since the plane crash. But I mean, um, there were people behind me legitimately shocked at the the end result of what happened to Han Solo. Oh, and it was just and, just from and, off those two beats that I mentioned. You, you know, the, uh, you know what's going to happen. So so telegraphed. I mean, this was in the cards for me and my friends discussing this movie before the first trailer even came out. It was a guarantee. I was already prepared for that to happen. You know. Luke is on pace to die. You're gonna you're gonna have to pick them off one by one. You're gonna you're just gonna they're gonna be your movie care points. It's gonna be where right, your right. emotional care so, points are at. So it's 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 Star Trek Generations, right? Didn't Captain Kirk die in that film? I have I, yeah. I am not my Trekkie knowledge is uh, I'm not gonna claim to be very good. So uh, I don't know actually. It's been a that's long time. not latent. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the top 10 television programs of 2015. We're going to do this snake style. I will present my number 10, and then Adam will present his. Although, you have 12, right? I have a list of 12, yes. Okay, so why don't you give your 12 and 11, and then I'll jump in with my 10. Okay. We'll go from there. Sounds good. My number 12 was Justified. Uh, It's series series finale was was this year so it's final season and everything tidied up this this year and unfortunately it ended a little bit earlier in the season so it wasn't so fresh on my mind that's kind of why it's tacked on to the to the end of my list plus but i love justified minus probably its second to last season i thought it was a pretty overall good good show i know that you enjoyed it a little bit as well in its run to some degree I think some of its characters in there were probably its strongest thing were 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 its characters and I think it ended well this year. I thought I was satisfied. It, it, yeah, Justified has always been one of those good not pantheon shows for me, but I think Justified had the best ending of all the the shows that ended this year. The the we dug cold together scene line was well when you, when you, when you can dis- was very when you can describe it to friends, you, you you can say that line and it really sums up uh, yeah, the I, thing. It, it's, I, I think it, that's it's the one finale ending, ending scene that, that has stuck with me. Sure. And I, I had trouble remembering what happened during season six Justified, but I remember Mikey uh, wins bodyguard stealing the show. Yeah. Being uh, aplexed. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jonathan Tucker as, as Boone. Yeah. He was really good. That was a, it was a little odd in that they killed off Garrett Dillahunt and then brought in a, a replacement. A replacement gunman. 
that might have been was that maybe a scheduling thing though too probably i know that natalie zia who plays raylan's ex-wife yep there was, I think, episode seven. There's an episode where it's just Raylan and her in a in a hotel, hotel. in a motel room, mm-hmm. and that's probably because they couldn't. They, they only had a, you they know, couldn't a get her off. They couldn't her. get her off site. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a enjoyable show, and it was definitely a rebound from the Michael Rappaport season. Very, very bad. Ugh. At least it at least it came around. It swung around, and that made me really happy. It's a great show. Anyways. I think the the, the the yeah the two issues people had were that uh, the the writers couldn't work quarrels back in because yeah. everyone else who survived returned and then um, no Ian McShane. Nope. Yeah. No. No Ian McShane. Well, some somehow we'll have our a little bit different Deadwood reunion somewhere else, I guess. Yeah. All right. So on to eleven then. This is kind of uh, a latent entry, and it's more of kind of more of a genre than it is maybe necessarily specifically either of these shows. But Netflix just re- debuted Making a Murderer, which was Friday, so I've been trying to burn through it to really make sure it actually deserves to be on the list, and it's really outside of the top ten, anyways. But obviously, the true crime docu series type shit. So I tacked on the Jinx as well with that. They're kind this of, is number eleven. Yeah, my number eleven is is the Jinx slash making a murderer, is is kind okay. of okay. kind of well, both. I'll I'll take half of that. Uh, the Jinx is my number two show. Oh wow, very high up. Of uh, twenty fifteen, I wasn't gonna watch it, but then critics, you know, raved about it, and this is pre-airing, right? Because you watched yeah, it as yeah, it aired. Yeah, and I, I think even without the story, the, however lurid it was, uh, Andrew Jarecki, the director crafted it in such a way that it's compulsively watchable some of the 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 cliffhangers in the middle episodes are terrific and i think more than any other television show this year it really captured the cultural zeitgeist It really uh, captured the attention of america in a way that hasn't happened since perhaps the series finale of breaking bad that last run of was it eight episodes yeah, seven. I don't. I don't remember. But you know, everyone was was talking about Robert Durst. Uh, pr- you know, entering that 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 final sixth episode. Sure. I mean, it was it was a. You, you heard com- you saw conversations on Twitter. I mean, it was you said like a Breaking Bad type thing where people were were dig were waiting for that next episode to see where things were going. It was actually just six episodes. Yeah. Um, so it's very short. But the way it's paced and, like you said, the way it's executed is you wanted, you had and wanted to see that next episode as soon as possible. And it, yes. and it was strange to me that I was seeing people who who went back to it. And I don't think it would have been nearly... I'm a traditional TV watcher in the ways that I watch TV and enjoy it, which well, is week to n- week. N- and n- I can't I imagine going back to this, having not heard something and been spoiled, I don't think it would have been nearly as effective. Because things were... Rolling I, in I, real I, time as they aired. Even so, I, I I think it on its own, it's 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 quite engaging. Well, and Robert just, Robert, I saw the twists and turns. Of, uh, yeah, and 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 being real life, Robert Durst is super interesting. You couldn't ask for a better character to follow around. Yeah, <laughs> as someone who really exists, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, that was my that was my eleven. And it's my number two. All right. So I will jump in now at number 10 on the lines of, I, I really 
sort of wrestled with what should be my number 10. I had like 10 candidates and I settled with Project Greenlight. Oh, okay. On HBO. This was the making of the leisure class. Did you see any of this? I watched the whole thing, yes. It was such a train wreck and just the train wreck of 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 the best magnitude the director he was unreal and and then you you add in sort of a um Effie, this producer for volatility and the just all the all this conflict behind the scenes of they're clearly making a turd which there's, yeah there's no two ways about it they were making which, a bad movie which which made it even more entertaining them haggling over the right house to <laughs> to shoot this movie in and having the Farrelly brothers of all people as consultants, equal parts absurd and you know fascinating, and uh, it's my number ten. Did you? I'm, did you watch the previous Project Greenlight series? The yes. Other seasons. Okay. And, so I had um, never watched any of them. Is this the best of the the bunch that they've had, or is it just because it was the most fucked up one? Well, just because in, of- in earlier seasons, the directors were clearly not as professional. <laughs> Oh, they were they or, were less or skilled. Out of water. Yeah, and okay. so this time you had he's clearly competent, but he's also delusional. Sure, which I think helped in a way make it better, make it more interesting. Yeah, it, it was it was less well, it was kind of intentionally train wrecky, but it was also not. I mean, you 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 cast for drama, but you know he was definitely qualified to 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 make a film as opposed to previous directors. And, you, and you, so you never saw the, the the previous three seasons? No, I never did. I was aware of the show and its general structure and kind of what they were doing, uh, documenting like making a film and you know competition based picking people and things like that. But I had never seen any of the other seasons. No. Dennis Leary did a parody of Project Greenlight called Contest Searchlight. It was like four episodes for a Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. That's a hidden gem of a. Uh, it was pretty good. I know. I remember. I remember it by name only, but I never watched that. It was. It, it was um, very funny. All right. Any more? Any more to expand on that? Nope. All right. We will move in with my number ten, which is Cartoon Network's "Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell," which is a fairly unwatched show. It is an eleven to twelve minute runtime, as uh, a good majority of comedy or. As Cartoon Network's shows are, it is about a guy sent to hell and his adventures there, and it's it's great. It's dark comedy and it's stupid as shit, and I love it. Absolutely love it. I thought the season was great. Nobody's watching it, so it's kind of my dark horse, and that's kind of why it's it's at number ten. Above Justified, huh? Well, it was consistent. It was funny the entire series. I don't know. It gets me. It's it's on my level. It's really dumb, but it's 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 great. Nobody's talking about it. It doesn't pop up anywhere. I mentioned it to people and no one has any idea what I'm talking about. And that's also probably one of the reasons I love it is because it's kind of my it's my hidden show that nobody nobody knows about. And you should you should uh specify that it's it's not cartoon network, it's adult swim. They're yes, actually counted it, as two different it, excuse me, yes, adult swim. I didn't yeah. mean to say that. Yes. But yeah, that's if I and I would assume most people listening probably haven't seen it, so Give it a shot. Season one's kind of hard to find online, but season two, it's great. Okay. Number nine, my number nine, is uh, Fresh Off the Boat. <clears throat> oh. And it's based on a, an autobiography by Eddie Huang. 
you may have seen on MTV. He has a is a restaurant in New York City. And before the show premiered, he, he wrote an article about how he wished it was more it was it was less goofy. And as much as I would have loved to have seen his sort of freaks and geeksy uh, version of of this show, I really enjoy the the more lighthearted and, and and goofy version that we get on on network television. It I guess it it hits me in the sweet spot, you know. Also having <laughs> grown up as a, as an as an Asian boy in the '90s, and the the cast is uniformly strong, and they've shifted away from Eddie in the, the second season. Uh, both seasons have actually aired, both, both seasons actually aired in 2015. So they shifted away from Eddie narrating it. He no longer does that. And just Eddie's stories as the, the main stories into sort of a, a broader world. And that, that has helped. Eddie's friends are great on the show. I feel like you could split apart any part of the show into an equally entertaining spin-off sitcom. So did they, they found that the ensemble ended up just working so well together that that's what shifted the narrative away from... Yeah, because you know. the because what's interesting is like the, the, the first season was very personal. You actually had Eddie Huang narrating it. Mm-hmm. And so most of the, the stories ran through his perspective. And in the second season, they're doing stories with the mom and the dad. And they've given Eddie as a, a, a core group of friends mm-hmm. uh, to tell stories with. I thought consider doing number nine is fresh off the boat slash blackish another ABC sitcom, and what's interesting is that where fresh off the boat started off really focused on Eddie and then expanded its world, blackish started off really broad and is in you know the season it's um, second season probably too in the second season they've really honed in on black issues and that is also that has helped that show whereas. I think Fresh Off the Boat benefits from sprinkling in, you know, the Asian culture references into a more general sitcom. So they've kind of they've kind of gone they've kind of split yet have both been successful in changing. Yeah, yeah. And the Constance Wu is fantastic as the mom on on the show. Is, and, is that because she um, reminds you of your mom? <laughs> No, but it, it's, it's 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 I don't know something about her performance is. I've only ever heard good things. I've caught a few bits and pieces on when the TV's on, and I've laughed at things on it. I don't know why I don't watch it. It just hasn't drawn me in yet. Yeah, and the the, the cast can just the cast can just overcome all the anachronisms on the show. It is a very loose version of the '90s, <laughs> or DMX is. A, a superstar in like 1995, uh-huh. uh, which we all know. Those of us who were there, he, that would have been late 90s. Yes, but yeah, fresh off the boat, definitely easily uh, the best sitcom on network television. All right, wow, that's actually that's a surprising one to me. Although I've only ever heard strong things about it. All right, I guess we're on to my number nine, Better Call Saul. I don't feel great about it, but I really ended up liking it a lot more than I thought. Uh, it seems to be its own story. It seems to be... It was interesting. I actually look forward to the next episode, and that's a very big gauge for me when it comes to TV. Just looking forward to the next episode goes a long way, and I didn't know where... It, I mean, we know where things end up, but this could have easily crashed and burned and just been really shitty, and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, when it, when it was announced, everyone was like, 
everyone had their reservations and it definitely exceeded expectations there. Were you um, favorable towards it? It obviously wasn't on your list because you didn't chime in. Uh, no, it's not on my okay. list. I There are a lot of wonderful moments from the first season of Better Call Saul. Going through that that opening scene of the the kids cutting off the head in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. That was one of my clips of the week. The toilet. Uh, when he goes, here's Johnny to the family who hides off in the in in the in the forest. I broke my boy. I I I, I did not love that as much as really um, that fuck, that got that. me, man. That was I like that. That was big. I just I just don't think law is as interesting as. <laughs> you know, dealing meth. Well, uh, and, and at, at least they they seem to at least they seem to at least focus in on things outside of it. Right, it's there, but I, that's everything comes kind of funnels through that. But it it, it goes outside of that. At least it's not courtroom drama because that's not going to yeah, be I, fun to watch at all. I just wonder how much wiggle the room they have to tell tell the story, and I I worry about season two with. Chuck, the evil brother, and I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. You know, I also wonder how soon do we see Aaron Paul, right? Or, it, it, I, it's inevitable. They're going to cross paths. They have to. Or, or like, how, how, how long can this show run? Sure. And I mean, I'm assuming second season's what, going to be 10 episodes? They're not going to do I heard I heard it was 13, but I checked today and uh, it's 10. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. That's what I thought. I think it's good to keep it tight and small. They're not going to benefit from a ton of episodes. The visual aesthetic, I'm glad it's carried over for the most part from yeah. how beautifully uh, shot some some of Breaking Bad was. You get those moments in this too, and it's it's nice to still live in the world. I'm glad. Right. I'm glad it's good, and it could have been a train wreck, and that's why it's kind of at the bottom of my list. But it it kept me engaged, and I, I still really enjoyed it. Oh, we're not we're not actually doing the snake style. You should be giving your number eight, but fine. I'll give my number eight. We'll call it like um, braid style, I guess. Oh, I was confused. I don't know. Okay, number eight, Banshee. Oh. Cinemax's Banshee. I feel like this show would be enormously popular if it was on HBO, but it is on Cinemax on Friday nights and still surviving. Still surviving. Still surviving. Uh, next season will be its last. And it's from a pretty well-respected writer, Jonathan Tropper, an author of books. And he's crafted this in – it's deeply stupid, but it's also deeply fun. You know, the creative team on the show does a lot of interesting – it just really plays around with the, 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 the deeply stupid action show and, and elevates it to – another level there's a stretch in the middle of this season where they did a rio bravo sort of last stand at the police station uh, a whole episode where they're stuck in the police station and then they did a heist episode that was shot through it was presented through security camera footage and then they did an episode where they went to new orleans and uh just a very adventurous uh show that's uh, that's Willing to go for broke, I and and um, I and I will vouch for it is on the out. It's not on my list, but it is on the outside of my list, just barely. I vouch for its action sequences are cool as shit. Yes, they love to blow um, stuff up and they hit hard, and it's great. N- not to spoil anything, but 
It's got one of the one of the top two fight scenes I've seen all year. I'm sure, I know which one it is. And and, and and they they dropped it in what episode three? Yeah, <laughs> early on they they just don't they they go kind of run a hundred percent each episode. They really don't hold back and just like wait for something. They do crazy shit and then they just continue to do crazy shit. And even if they could have used it something earlier that they've done, they'll change it up and execute something a different way. Even if it would have, they just it's good really is good all right i think I, my number eight is up next here that would be a bojack horseman it's another show that there's a common theme of the further up we get my list of handling depression and things like that this was a very common tv theme this year and continued in bojack horseman season two i thought it was really good i think animated shows are really hard sell for me i think more often than not they fail they don't they don't catch me and they there's countless countless shows that are animated that people have never even heard of that come and go and an even adult style stuff is what I'm referring to. And this one is good. I really like Bojack. So I had not seen any of this show until uh, this past weekend waiting in line for Star Wars. I caught the first three of season two. It was okay to me. I don't think I like serious car- serious cartoons when cartoons try to be serious. Like Rick and Morty did it this year too, and I just watched uh, *F is for Family*, Bill Burr's animated series, and that touches on serious issues too. And I don't know, I prefer them sillier animated series. And I was also annoyed by Aaron Paul's character. Todd is yeah. his name, I think. I didn't feel it, but maybe it's just a small sample size. You know, I've only seen the first three of season two. It was a cold start for me because I actually watched the first two when it debuted and it just didn't click with me at all. And then read a little more and it sounded like kind of got to give it a little bit of time. It got some legs towards the end of the first season. And then definitely I was I was caught up on the first season by the time season two debuted and went with it there. And it gets better. I think it takes a minute to find its spot, which is weird for animated because usually they're where they're at because of how the way production works on animated shows, but it did. It found its legs a little bit later into it and and it got quite a bit better. I wouldn't say the first half of the first season is even that really that good, but once you once they get going, it, it got a lot better. There's a lot of people in it I like. Paul F. Tompkins, there's there's voices in there that I think work. The animation is awful, which I think is a positive. It works for me. It was a hard it's, sell it, though. It did it didn't get me right away either. But it took a little bit. I'll just list it as a TBD okay. because I admittedly have not seen much of it. Sure. All right, number seven on my list, Silicon Valley. I I didn't love the first season. I I I thought the arc with Zach, what's his name? He was on The Office too. Zach, what's uh Zach Woods? Yeah, yes. his 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 arc with him in the self driving car where he ends up on the in the middle of the ocean. I thought that was too unbelievable for me but season two of silicon valley really hit for me and perhaps it's because i live in silicon valley and i feel the show every day i was it was just a really confident season of of television the douchey mark cuban analog was was fun and russ Russ hanneman yeah and i'm not the biggest tj miller fan but uh he's he's really good on the show yeah i can't i can't wait to see what Happens in scene three. I, you know, and it was, I felt it was really good too. It didn't make my list. It was good. I loved it, but it just didn't make, didn't make the cut. I'm glad that now that they have the confidence that they can at least uh, survive 
they're not they're not not gambling on another season it's probably going to be renewed for a fourth i would suspect fourth yeah i'm sure they'll continue on at least for a fourth season too so i i liked it and i think i think there's some people in here who hold back and i think it's really funny like thomas middlelich is i think he's way funnier outside of the show which actually makes his character in the show even funnier because he's just holding back because he's the straight right. man really in this show and he's 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 great outside of it and i'm glad that so, so yeah silicon valley which would be the best sitcom on television as opposed to network television. all right so my number seven would be halt and catch fire Ooh. <laughs> i felt that uh season two was really good i really liked season one and it's not a great it's not a great season of television but i knew there was something there to it and they seemed to figure that out as well and i think executed on season two pretty good i really like the pacing time moves the it just the technology moves pretty quick in it for the most part and the things that they're doing are realistic even if they're it's all fictional it's it seems like something that could exist to me and a group of people that could be doing these things that you just never heard of i just thought it was really good Plus, I really like. Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and plus, I think one of their intros is still one of the best for any shows. I really. Oh yeah, the the, the credits are unbeatable. But yeah. I wonder about the chronology of the show. Like in season one, they're battling. They're undercut by the Macintosh, and then this season, it's it's Nintendo. And I I wonder about what's the girl's name? Uh, which the, one? The Donna or the other one? Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, I wonder about Cameron's. Ames. I don't know what she's developed. Like they're developing. Are they going to develop a different thing every season? Well, I think they're going to always be under the. They're just going to always be under the next thing. So I think <laughs> yeah, like the so, next the next jump up is probably like obviously internet connected services. They're probably going to be riding so, underneath that or whatever. It's like always going to be CompuServe. Early <laughs> they, did, they did that this season basically. Yeah, they uh, kind of they tapped into it a little bit towards the end because they did have yeah. a, a bit of a, a shift. They shifted then, their focus. Um, I also felt Gordon's storyline just didn't work for me. That one episode where he's just lost in, in the, the yeah the, in the parking garage. <laughs> I agree. That was probably uh, one of the weak. That that was an awful B story. It was stupid. I think the whole story for him, for the most part, is pretty lame. And then the one, the Lee Pace character, him and his his wife. I don't know. Tack, it's it. It was yeah. tacked on because it just ended up blowing up anyways. It never really. It didn't go anywhere. Just to keep him separated from Cameron. I'm. I'm assuming. Regardless of its flaws, which of the of which there are many, I still really enjoy it, and I'm glad that it did get saved again. So. So it's it's interesting. My number seven, Silicon Valley, and yours is Halt and Catch Fire, which <laughs> ended with. It looks like they'll be in Silicon Valley next. They season. are moving there. Yeah, they were on a plane, uh, on their way. All right, number six. We haven't overlapped at all, I don't think. Oh, we did, the Jinx. Um, yeah. Number six, The Americans. This is a show that's hard to love, but easy to appreciate and to that, me. And, uh, and that just, is exactly why it didn't make my list. This is a show where, you know, whenever critics rave about a television show, um, people will ask, can I, can I just jump right in with this current season? And this is a show that you cannot jump right in because every season builds on top of the previous season and it just gets more complex and convoluted. But it's it's just very confident at, at, at what it's doing. And I, I just I just trust the creators know where they're where they're taking the story. And and, and that that is the only thing that keeps me in it is because I don't know where it's going. 
I, and I, I, I couldn't I couldn't have a I couldn't couldn't guess at all and that's one thing that keeps me in it otherwise to me for the most part it's kind of boring I hate to say that because I do appreciate the show and there are there are things in it that are so so good but just something about it is a little off for me and just doesn't do it but I still continue to watch it because I want to know what's going on so. Prestige dramas like this don't tend to rock the boat that much. A bunch of things happened this season. Uh, well, conceptually, the show is so strong. It's just the logline yeah, for it is is great is, and super interesting. And for some reason, it's still, I don't know. I, th- I think it, it may be the most 70s, the most adult drama on television. Yeah, there are especially moments from this this season. Yeah. I, I hope they're allowed to finish telling their story they said five seasons Ooh. and there's no turning back now yikes five's a that's a that's a big run yeah well they I got hope. a they got a fourth and so well, there's plenty of stuff to tell in the fourth it'll it, they'll finish at least they have and they have a story so to tell that's good it's confidence that's good like, I, like I, I feel like they have an ending i feel like they already know the ending it's just a matter of navigating there yeah, it was it was considered for me low on my list, but it did not make the cut. My number six, Rick and Morty, which we already had heard a brief opinion from you about. I, I, I didn't think I didn't think the the, the what the finale were with the Nine Inch Nails song was was bad. It was interesting. I can't get enough because it is the stupid. It's stupid and it's super smart at the same time. And I'm just glad that they realize just from the get go that they have such a broad world that they can they can literally do anything and go anywhere and so it's just up to Justin Roiland and all of everyone else just to the limits are endless for for what they can do and they they break break they do you know Dan Harmon obviously is a guy who plays with format and they do they execute that on here being somebody who enjoyed community it's nice to see that live on somewhere else touches of that i just think it's great uh and you're not going to beat Mr. Poopy Butthole for anything, I I with me. I think I, I think the first season set the bar too high, and the second season just didn't reach the same heights as the first season. Wow. Um. I I mean, the first episode with the the universes of the timelines was good, and then the highlight was was that episode where they can't remember with all the characters. Total Rickshaw or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But then I didn't like how they went back to the well of the television channels. But um. But there's so much funny. Uh, I don't know. I I understand. Yeah, they it was, probably it was revisited. Okay, it was okay to me, and they probably revisited it, it, a little too soon. I, I just think it it fell off from season one. But season one, they they set they set the bar so high that there's no there's nowhere to go but down. Did you was, like season still, one? It was good. It was good. What did it? I graded it a B B. So oh, it, it was like that's favorable. Second for me. tier. It was like second ten for me. Sure. It's a low entry show. You can just technically hop in. There's not a lot of those that you that are good that you can I'll, do that I'll, with. I'll say this: I, I think it's um, I think it's the best Adult Swim animated series. That's a fair assessment. I would agree. There isn't a better. There's not a better uh, animated series, and that complements my "Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell," which I will say is their best live action. Disagree. <laughs> okay, uh, is that your number six? That was my number six. Yes. Number five. The leftovers. Leftovers is my number one. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. so, so this is what I'll say. There was nothing on television like the leftovers. Just this season, the structure of this season was so well done to me. How 
episodes would overlap. You'd tease the, the next episode in one episode and just flesh it out in, in, in the following episode. And it, it reminded me of, of Boardwalk Empire in that everything happened for a reason. Like the dream episode, you needed to have the dream episode in order to have the callback in the finale. Yes. And I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure the finale called back to all previous episodes. There were like bits and pieces that if you hadn't seen the previous episodes, you wouldn't get in the finale. It, it's not higher because it also reminds me of Boardwalk Empire in that it can be really slow. <laughs> yeah, really, it's, it's it, can, it can be really slow going and you feel rewarded at the end because everything comes together. Everything's really accounted for and everything t- resolves itself. It comes together. It ties up. It's like season one, which I think was a lot of people's problem when they go into shows like this looking for answers. And if you're looking for answers in this show, you're not necessarily more than likely not really going to get anything definitive. And once you get past that, which I think anybody who is really appreciating and loving season two, either never really had that problem in the first place or they got over it and they can, they can really dig in. And season two was super fulfilling for them. I think that's the entry to getting hooked on. That's why my number one show, I was probably more emotionally involved in this show than anything else. Season two is so much better than season one though. And just that it feels like every episode is a different film. It's its own yes, like film, and it's 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 almost like the weirdest you know Marvel Cinematic Universe phase ever created. We'll give you seven films. You know the characters will interact in each of episode and they all come together in, in in the finale. And I know we skipped best of episodes. We were going to do that, but International Assassin was probably one of my favorite episodes of TV this year and now it definitely would have made my top five cut just because it was so out there in, in terms of how the rest of the season worked out and the perspectives they were being told from. That one was just totally, it was different and it was great, everything leading up to it and after it. And The Leftovers also just had the best cliffhangers. Every episode just made you want to see the next episode. However, however slow you may have felt the episode you were watching was when it ended, you wanted to see the next one. And I and, and I, I, sh- I should also mention that the soundtrack randomness, except for the goddamn piano cover, <laughs> the Pixies piano cover, the ubiquitous song that we could not escape on TV this year, it had a weird random soundtrack and it was it worked. It was good. Even songs that felt out of place felt out of place for strangely odd reasons to me and it seemed like it fucking worked i think that should be covered as well the and a shout out to kevin carroll played john i thought he was a revelation it was also odd watching him because clearly one of his front teeth is is fake uh, <laughs> and then his son uh the, the british actor who plays his son also very good yeah I, everybody's honestly performance wise i think is 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 pretty amazing show I mean, even Liv Tyler, who I wouldn't say is the greatest actress, pulled off a pretty evil situation really well. I would say she's probably the biggest bad on TV that I could name for this season. She was she was pretty bad. All right, so The Leftovers, my number five, your number one, and also the, the best show on television this year to feature a Rickroll. Oh, yes. All right, my number five is Transparent. Obviously, it kind of came out real late here, so it's one of those bingey shows. I really enjoyed season one, and I really thought season two was great. There is so much in this show that is not relatable in my life. There are certainly some things that are, 
it's it's just fascinating. I think everybody in it's really good, even if they're people I, that drive me nuts. Gabby Hoffman drives me insane, but I think she works in this show. Drives me nuts in girls. I just think it's a great show. It, I, I don't think there's anything like it on TV. I think it's it's filmed great. It's narrative arc is good. The problems in the show have evolved from the first season onto, I don't know, it just gets a, it's an interesting look at life. And I think it's just really good. And it's an easy thing to chew through. It took two sittings for me because I was just engaged. And I think that says something for TV. Keep me in like that. All right. I, I liked it way less than you. I mean, I, I think season two is hit or miss. I mean, I liked how it wrapped up with this, this the recurring Berlin stuff, but... I did not care for some of the story arcs this season. The graduate school story arc was mind-numbing to me. And the oldest sister having the affair with Rafi, Jason <laughs> Manzoukas. The, I, I, and then that, that one episode where they go to the, the, the camp. Oh, it's a little sluggish. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I hate episodes of sitcoms where they go somewhere to some place. They almost never work for me. And this one did not. There's also stuff that hits. Like, I, I thought Josh's storyline was good. Was the and, strongest of the kids' storylines for sure. I agree with that. And the, although at the same time the motivations are a little weird, how he just like sends his son away <laughs> and then breaks up with the rabbi. Maybe they maybe they only had those actors for a, a certain amount of episodes, right? Well, and and like I said, I you know you break down some specific instances here, and I I'm I'm in agreement pretty much overall with with what you're saying. But I think the, just the overall of the show, it's just, it's a dose of life that a lot of it just is not familiar to me, and it's very fascinating and it's interesting. And I think it's well executed, and I think anybody that is maybe in these situations, I don't know, it just seems it's a fucked up family that I don't know. It's interesting to to see how their story unfolds, and I just I really liked it. It's okay. certainly not perfect, though. And I, I kind of feel it might be a little high on my list, but I just really, it, I blew through it because I was entranced and I really liked it. Oh, you're going to hate my fourth. <laughs> Number four, Hannibal. I think this Hannibal had the same problem as Rick and Morty in that it's season two of Hannibal just set the bar so high that season three, just it just didn't match it. But for whatever faults season three, three of Hannibal had I just I just loved watching it you I you you can appreciate this show on just multiple levels I love the dialogue I love how it looks I love the acting in the show I love the chances it takes for for network television I I love how I love how gay it can be I I just love watching the show yeah and it is one I've never seen an episode of I don't know why you would say I would hate it I've certainly seen I've seen sequences and scenes from it, and it looks beautiful. Certainly, one aspect that I'm surprised hasn't drawn me in just to just to commit and watch it. This season was split up into two parts. They did seven episodes of Hannibal in uh, Europe, and then they did Red Dragon in the final six episodes. Mm-hmm. It, it felt it definitely felt disjointed in that they sort of pivoted from one one setup of the show into another setup of the show at mid season. It's unlike anything else on, on, on television. It's and, and especially network TV. Yeah, and so it, it's as adventurous it's, as The Leftovers, maybe probably even more so, and it's engaging, more engaging than The Leftovers. That's why it's four and not five uh, well, to me. <laughs> and, and, and knowing it has a definitive 
I mean, we're not getting any more. Maybe I'll just have to commit one day finally, and I can. And I, I, I wonder how much they plan on happens. it because it has a very definitive ending. Yeah, and from what I had heard, yeah, but I mean, it obviously yeah. did not get renewed, and it was what three seasons total, right? Yeah. Shout out to Richard Armitage, who is superb as the Red Dragon. Are you into the lore of all of? Silence with the Lambs and things like that. No, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was never that into any of this. Because then I'm not either. Yeah, but this this show is just so it's just so good. Well, I will, oh. I will take this as a selling of it on me, and eventually get to it to see what. So I, missed. I, I like. I think Hannibal is more popular over internationally than it is in America because it's on Netflix outside of America, but it's on Amazon Prime in America. It's one of these shows that I, I, I wish everyone could watch because it's just compulsively watchable. High praise. And again, like Better Call Saul, I didn't think it would work, and it has exceeded my expectations. All right. It is my number four, right? Yes. Rectify. I'm not sure what else I have to say about it because I've tried to sell the show to so many people before because we're obviously, what, in season season three here. They definitely fixed things by shortening the season to back down because it was a little long, real long for the second season, and that weakened things a little bit. But I just visually, everybody in it is really good, I think. There's some poor acting, but it's not it's not the end of the world for it. And I just I continue to be interested in his story that is being told very slowly because it's only covered, covered, still only covered a couple of months in his life. And I don't know. I'm still I'm still loving it. I think I stand on Rectify where you stand on the Americans in that it can be it can be very slow, but I, I I appreciate what what they're doing. It's just the dialogue is so poetic. I think it's shot. I mean, there 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 are good scenes. Yeah, I mean, I I respect it, but I I it's hard to embrace because it's just so. It can be a slog to watch. Well, and that's and that was the major ding on season two for me, is or for it should be for anybody who watches. It's just too it's just too long. And at least yeah, season two at least they've was, rectified that uh, by shortening this this most recent season, and and I think that helped. I, that helped a lot because I was actually behind and I was able to catch up pretty quick on it, and it felt felt short to me and noticeably shorter because episodes were and, shorter, and, and it just. It's also like the Americans that you, you can't jump in. Uh, oh, no. This would be the most boring um, show to anybody just to jump in. They would not be. Yeah. If and you don't have the connection. If you jumped in, you, it's, 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 you, you know, you can't jump in. And if you jumped in, it's, it's hard to just, it's hard to jump in. It's like physically hard to jump in because you're sitting there and yeah. it's just taking its time, <laughs> telling its story. Yeah. It, it, it has, it has no pacing. It doesn't respect your time it's yeah if, it's, if it's very not much into. not uh, a tv show for the age we live in <laughs> sure all right well and that's all i've got to say about that number three fargo and shit that's my number two uh, again like with the leftovers no holly's doing just outstanding stuff it's adventurous stuff like no episode is the same of fargo even though it's telling one story they take many different approaches to it. I mean, the writing, this, this, this is the best drama writing on television this year. The, the, the cast was terrific. You know, you worried about what they would do after season one. 
And this is a case where I think they jumped over the bar set by season one. And I, I didn't think, I didn't think, I didn't think they could do that. They certainly had their work cut out for them. And I was worried cause I, you, you enjoyed season one, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was certainly one of my favorites from last year as well. Yeah. This year, I think 10 minutes in, I was pretty sold. I was like, if they could keep this up, I think this is going to beat it. And it did for me as well. I think visually, it was, you know, their split screening, triple split split screening was was great. There's, it had a nice that... nice vibe for the time period. Obviously, like costuming and lo- locale and just everything there I think was executed amazingly. Nobody looked like they were wearing a bad wig. Costumes looked of the time and not built for the time. Um and the soundtrack is probably my favorite soundtrack for anything this year. I had praise for the leftovers, but this soundtrack destroys it. And it's coming from bands covering stuff of the time and doing interesting takes on it. And it's just everything from top to bottom on Fargo was was great. It's it's so good that um, you don't realize how little snow there is because it was a warm winter in Calgary when they were filming this. So it's not as white as the first season. Well, and it had a warmer uh, it had a warmer tone uh, overall, anyways. Just because I think that was part of the the '70s vibe. They actually, if you look, it definitely has a redder and warmer, yellowy, orangey tone to it. Then, and that might have been there, might have been on purpose, just because of the snow situation. But if you compare shots from this to this first season, you'll notice how much colder uh, visually the first season of Fargo looks. And there was obviously a hell of a lot more snow in that season too. But and again, I, like I, I saw said, complaints visuals. about how referenced Coen Brothers films uh, too much. I mean, did you feel that? I'm, it's there, but I don't think it took me out of it to be like, "Here's a copycat situation." I don't know. It, it didn't bother me at all. I'm not. I'm not a, a purist in that fashion because it's coming from them, sort of, anyways at least when it comes to things on screen named Fargo, I don't, I don't knock it down because of something like that. No. Yeah. And so I'm cops. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about season three. Uh, I read that it's going to be in the present again and yeah, two, 2010 maybe. Yeah. Or even higher up than that. I don't know. I thought it was 2010. Uh, so we'll see. Also like he, the creator is now splitting his time doing like four different FX shows. Yeah, we'll see. Well, when when you do good things, you're in demand, I suppose. So hopefully that doesn't take a hit in quality because of that. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. My number three was You're the Worst. I was really into this season. It had a kind of a, a very obvious tonal shift in its arc of its characters. They, they focused a lot on depression and... I thought it might at first take away from what I really liked about the first season. And it certainly made it maybe a little less funny overall, but I thought it made for really good TV and it was interesting and it was still funny. There's, there's moments in it that I think are some of the best funny uh, live action this year. And I hope, hope it continues. I know a lot of people don't watch it. I know we get another season, so that's good. Um, yeah, it seems like he, uh, the creator, Stephen Falk, was playing, he, you know, he wrote for Weeds, and I think he was playing from Genji Cohen's playbook in that it was comedy, but it, it could also be be a dramatic. But my issue with the show is it sometimes it just feels like there's too many tones going on. 
it hops between things depending yes. on what storyline you're in immensely. I, if you're in the B it's story, it's very jarring to have like the depressed girl, and then then you hop to Kether Donahue, who is yeah, singing uh, singing a song about new phone who dis, or or you you bring in Jimmy's British relatives. That that's my knock on the show. Like it's 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 like a, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> I I really I really enjoy everybody in it. I think it's really good. I mean, everybody is a very distinct character in this. I think Vernon is awesome, and he doesn't get enough time. I think everybody's really good in it, and just seeing just seeing the shift is really interesting because it's very different than the first season in certain instances. And there's touches of what you would consider the first season still in there, but it's good. They move fast. They they've. They've dumped these characters into some serious business right away. And for a show that didn't start out that way, I think it's really interesting. And it's I don't know if it's a, a gamble that's gonna pay off. I don't I, I hope it continues. I really I just really like everybody in it. I think they're great in the serious moments and in the funny stuff. And they had a their Halloween episode I thought was really good. It, it's strong for a, a show that nobody watches. I hope it continues to go on. You, you seem to be like the only audience for a lot of these shows on your, I, on your, on your list. I'm noticing that, uh, but I like yeah. to I like to be the keeping lone a, wolf. Keep, watching. Yeah, keeping them afloat. Yep. Champion of the uh, the underdogs, the underserved. Yeah. Yep. All right. So my number two, we already mentioned it. Uh, the Jinx, the life and deaths of Robert Durst. And also had a, had a had a had a good um, uh, credits sequence. Oh yeah, definitely. Heels. <laughs> Eels. Yep. Eels. Very good. Um, and my number two was already covered, Fargo. All right. And then your number one was we already covered too. The leftovers. Uh, the leftovers. Yes, yes. And so I will go with my number one. I am I am <laughs> very curious because I have a list here of things I didn't cover and I can't imagine it's one of those. So what is it? It should be fairly obvious. My number one the the I think the best show on television this year was uh Nathan for you. And I'm just, I was just amazed that after, in its third season, it's still able to pull off uh, the episodes uh, and the ideas that it does. I, I, I think it's just, it's, I think it's just a brilliant show. And it's, it's the funniest show on television. It's the smartest show on television. I can't wait to see what he does in season four because, you know, you figure they're going to run out of ideas at some point, but he just keeps pulling rabbits out of his hat. His concocted schemes are super smart they're super creative um, yeah and more than that though like Nathan, Nathan for you's best episodes are single episodes you know that the ideas that he they crafts into a whole a full episode mm-hmm. and so in in the past dumb starbucks was the highlight of season, season one, two and in season one he did a episode about uh, a claw p- pulling down his pants in yeah. front of children that was a f- the, uh, the finale of season one yeah right? the finale and 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 you you wonder like how can you sustain this and and yet in season three he does he does he puts on a play in a in a in a bar and the finale was the, the hero which was actually kind of emotional you know sure and i i watch a show in awe how do you come up with this? How do you pull this off in, with such a straight face? I love that he's not uh, explicitly playing for laughs. One of, one of my gripes is that all the television critics seem to watch Review. And that was an outlier just barely on mine. Yeah, and, 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 and fawn over the show. And Review, Review, is, Review is a good show, but you know Nathan For You is on the same network in the same time slot from the same production company. And I feel like... You know, I feel like you. I feel like the only person watching this show. I'm. I just don't. I don't. I don't understand why it's still so under the radar. 
his character or however you want to refer to Nathan Fielder, whether or not it's really him, the the Kaufman, the Andy Kaufman-esque character that he's playing is is being done nowhere else and is not being executed to the degree that he's doing what he's doing. It's and it is every episode there is as there's a mouth open sequence for me where I'm just like whoa no way or what the hell or that's just yeah, absolutely and- insane and he's consistently doing that in this day and age where I mean I guess it's a good thing he's flying under the radar to some degree so he can continue to pull these these things off that he's doing right so i mean you you have two questions right one is how do how how do people not catch on to him and maybe that's just los angeles and fame whores right yeah or people have asked is this is this show staged and i feel like even if it was staged which i don't think it is no the ideas behind it even if it was staged it's still like still amazing to me i don't know how anybody would think this was staged the execution and just the genuine situations these people are in and their responses to it just doesn't that doesn't add up to ever it's never even crossed my mind so the realness of it it adds it adds to everything that happens in it so much it's this year like commissioned a book and it was you know it was a bestseller on amazon and he produced merchandise for um one bit and, and that's sold, like and he sold over like three hundred thousand yeah. uh, dollars worth that merchandise. So it's a, it's actually working despite being well, completely absurd. Well, yeah, the the concept that is supposed to fail, or what you think is supposed to fail, is actually he's actually ex- executing these things, and they're working to some degree. And in some of them, like monetarily, like he's making people money. He's actually turning some people's business into successful thing. Whether be, for reasons that are probably beyond the reason it should happen. You know, there's people out there like you who bought shirts or bought a shirt as a joke, but whatever, it helped execute. It's it's a very good cause. Exactly. (laughs) So it's just, it's amazing on so many levels. There's, there's, there's layers to just everything that's going on in here that it's just a performance and idea and just, it's, it's hard to explain to those who haven't seen it. It's it's one of those shows you watch where you feel blessed that it's it's even on television <laughs> well i mean you, you watch an episode and i guarantee you run the gamut of emotions you you're shocked you laugh you you cringe everything it, it happens in just one episode of of television on a comedy central show that's kind of buried and nobody's watching it's just it's amazing to me and i agree that is certainly underserved uh i think i should close by just saying you know shout out to tim and eric's production company absolutely <laughs> Uh, they they produced review they produced Nathan for you and if it had aired its full season in 2015 my number one would be sort of toss up between Nathan for you and the Eric Andre show oh wow uh, which is also produced by absolutely and which I alluded to earlier I think is the best live action show on Adult Swim oh okay because I was wondering what it was gonna be yeah. I didn't but it, but it only aired three episodes this year sure uh, it's fifteen minutes disqualified you're you're out of here, Eric Andre. It is great, though. All right. So um, you want to recap your list? Yes, I will. All right. Coming in at number 12 was Justified. Uh, number 11, make well, The Jinx. 10, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. Uh, number 9, Better Call Saul. 8, Bojack Horseman. 7, Halt and Catch Fire. 6, Rick and Morty. 5, Transparent. 4, Rectify. 3, You're the Worst. Two Fargo and my number one show of the year was The Leftovers. Okay, uh, in my top ten, 
and I did, I did do great shows in real time after the end. And so that's what, that's what I was working off of. Uh, number 10, Project Greenlight. Number nine, Fresh Off the Boat. Number eight, Banshee. Number seven, Silicon Valley. Number six, The Americans. Number five, The Leftovers. Number four, Hannibal. Number three, Fargo. Number two, The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. And number one, Nathan, for you. Real quick, I'm curious. What are the shows you haven't seen? What haven't I seen this year that I, I thought that may be a necessary watch that I still haven't gotten around to? Yeah. On my list, I have The Nick and Manhattan. And those were just a couple that I had heard things that had me intrigued okay. to get into. I did not execute on watching any of those. I do have a quite the list of things that we didn't cover. Peak TV is... We're in a it's good hard. time. There's yeah. not. There's no shortness of things to watch. We didn't even touch on Mr. Robot, which I'm sure some people would... Mr. Mr. Robot was shocked about for my number ten. Yeah. See, and, and it was it well, was just right outside I will, of my list. I will say this: Mr. Robot has the best pilot episode of 2015. Yeah. If you watch the pilot episode, I'm pretty sure you'll be hooked. If I if I give a Renaissance award out here, it's going to be to this season of South Park. But I can't I can't stick that in a list I, to I, take up a spot. I, I thought those last three episodes just did not work for me. That the, the whole ad arc. Oh, really? All right. Uh, well. I think uh, I think in aside from that the the gun sequence when they walk them out like show dogs fucking I, amazing that is I, great I, I I admire that though that they've been uh, doing serialization these past two seasons I think there's always going to be an it's going to knock it's going to knock some episodes down and I wouldn't say overall the whole season was was a hundred percent but I, the serialization was nice I'm glad they're trying new things. I don't want them to get bored. I still want this show to be on the air. It is the one consistent thing in my life that I can even recall. <laughs> Let's uh, let me let me shout out to some of the worst shows of 2015. Sure, the Bastard Executioner. I'm probably the only person who watched it all. You are the only person I know who watched the entire thing. It was. I mean, when the revel when the revelation in the finale is that the Bastard Executioner is a Descendant of Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Kurt, okay, Kurt. Kurt yeah. Sutter off the deep end once again. He always ends those things on Jesus-y stuff, though. Yeah. Most and then, uh, you know, his next show is uh, Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Um, so I look forward to 90-minute episodes of that. We'll, we'll cover that on the show here at some point. Yeah. True Detective. That is that is number one on my bottom shit list. Um, the the Anti-Fargo. In, 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 in a way... It was still like good hate watching. Yeah, I unfortunately, I was I watched it. They got me, but it was I don't know if it was because I had to see how bad the next episode was or what. What's uh, next with Bob and David? Ooh, I'm I, an I, outlier on this. No, and I actually did finish, and I would I would agree that it was not that strong. Uh, At least it was, it was only four episodes. Half-assed, yeah. Um, I wonder, like, if you're only going to do four episodes, why do it? I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure out the motivations for doing this. Oh, uh, and then I think the worst show I saw all year was Ballers. And it pains me to say this because I love The Rock, but this is completely inessential television. Well, uh, and, and when you were visiting me, I think one of my, my favorite moments was when we got to watch an episode of Ballers together. It was nice watching yeah. TV with you and the fact that it was Ballers. And I believe what we said was it's our description of the show was it's a show on TV. 
Yeah, and and you you fast forwarded the credits, which are the which I thought was the best part of Ballers, <laughs> the the Little Wayne song. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and I, then, I'd like to. Can I add something in here? Go ahead. All yeah. right. Uh, the league put oh, a button, a, put a button a on an absolute awful last couple of seasons, and I'm so glad it's gone. They might as well have just renamed it the DraftKings because it's fucking awful. I don't know. It 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 ruined any good. I ever thought of that show any any goodwill I ever had was it was just god awful TV. I, w- I was watching this final season just thinking like what must Mark Duplass be thinking? He's got this show on HBO. He's so he's successful in other avenues yeah. that he's clearly yeah. phoning it in, and I'm glad it doesn't matter to him. I think and, the, and it was it was clear that since Kroll show started, Nick Kroll negotiated some contract where. He didn't have to do all the episodes. Well, he skyped they, in some episodes. Yeah, they've they've been writing him out these these past few seasons. Um, well, I'm glad that these people can take a walk and go somewhere else and perhaps be funny elsewhere. At least we got Rafi out of it. And yeah, that's about it. I thought anything else on your list? Yeah, I thought Wet Hot American Summer kind of fell a little flat. I thought it had moments. I yeah, didn't hate there, it as there, much as most people. There, um, there were, but, but yeah, for overall, unfortunately, that fell a little flat for me. But then, like, I didn't, I didn't love the movie, so yeah, and, and I did, so yeah. Um, maybe they could have just remade it again, like Star Wars, right? <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for 2015. You can catch me on AdamRiff.com or on Twitter at AdamRiffs with an S at the end. You can find me on Twitter at Zombieologist, and you can also email us at backwashaudio at gmail.com. Thanks for sticking around for the supersized episode here, and uh, we'll see you around. Bye.